You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, welcome to the latest episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I'm Brad Ford, social media manager for the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm joined, as always, by baseball genius and lifestyle dingus, Adam McAlvey. And <laughs> even the... <laughs> hey, it makes sense, okay? And the bearded Tim Dillard, who... You know, Tim, big weekend for you, big series for you, because I finally got to meet the missus. She's in town. I know. I told you she existed. Nobody believed yeah. me. I thought it was like the girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, the guy who doesn't have the girlfriend in school and says, oh, she lives in Canada. Yeah. She goes to a different school. <laughs> oh, yeah. You never had anyone do that to you, Tim? No. I, I watched that movie Can't Hardly Wait the other day. Oh, great movie. Yeah. And, and the two guys that are on the roof for the plan for the, the nerd guys. One of them's like, hey, wasn't this weekend supposed to be when you meet your girlfriend from or your supermodel girlfriend from New York? And he's like, yeah, she's on vacation in Fiji or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so same thing. Yeah. Well, turns out Tim's wife exists and she's very nice, very kind. And uh, she's was soaked in some Brewers baseball. Yeah, that's what she wanted on an off day. It was like, let's go watch baseball like she's never seen a game before. <laughs> yeah, but how many times has she got to watch a game with you? Probably few. Yeah, maybe like four. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. That's a treat. I, I sometimes get to watch parts of games with you, and it's a delight. Well, I used to sit in the stands and chart the games in the minor leagues, and she'd be at the games like two rows behind. <laughs> I don't think that counts. Um, <laughs> no, no. But if she needed my attention, she'd be like, hey, you need something from the concession stand? Yeah, two hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, two. Jeez. Well, hey. I was in my prime back then. <laughs> All right. Well, you chose, as Brewers fans, the wrong game to go to. As pitching fans, probably a great game to go to. But we're going to start with the good and go back a little bit because the Brewers won 7-11, including a series win against the Yankees. Adam, you have a dominant force coming in. And the Yankees, yes, they've had a bad second half, but they were coming in very hot. How big was it to take the first two games of that three-game series? Yeah, look, I think the that people had in their head that the Yankees are playing really poorly because it was like a big kind of national baseball story when they were. But they actually came in playing really well over the last, like, two weeks. So it, it was a good series for the Brewers to play a good team. Um, the most encouraging thing, I think, besides the bats – was Brandon Woodruff's performance maybe his best start of the year, his deepest start of the year for sure. And those innings are so critical right now uh, with the state of the, the pitching. And we'll, I know we'll talk about that again because it's kind of changing every day at this point with certain guys making progress towards coming back, beginning with Aaron Ashby on tonight, Tuesday night. We're talking on Tuesday and the pod comes out today. So I should just say tonight. Um, so that's a that's a good step. But but the Yankees were a team playing really well. They have, you know, probably the American League MVP, although that's a fun debate on that side with Aaron Judge and the Brewers kept him. They sort of showed what happened when you keep him in the yard. 
you have a chance to win when you keep him in the yard. When you don't, eh, it's different. Yeah. I tried to tell Ezra that we should, you know, talk about how the Brewers controlled Aaron Judge. And he was like, did they actually control him? I was like, aside from game one, he only had two home runs. Like, they... They limited him to infield singles. Like, he has like a 1,000 slugging coming into this in September. I'd argue that's keeping Aaron Judge in check. He's just that good that he's still going to get on base when he's being held down. Tim, I mean, lots of big bats, but the Brewers really came through with big pitching performances. And, I mean, the offense showed up as well in this series. They did. I think the two things they that I took away was if you want to beat the Yankees, contain Judge. Don't think you're going to keep him off base. Just you got to contain him. And then uh, you got to somehow put up some runs. Willie Adamas was able to do that. A couple of three-run jomers. Um, what's interesting, though, is Adamas walked in his first at-bat each of the first two games. And the second at-bat, he hit a three-run homer. So the third game, I'm thinking, here we go. He walked his first at-bat. And I'm thinking, next at-bat, no pressure, but he was leading off the inning. <laughs> and I was, if he could pull off a three-run homer, that'd be pretty special. Then you start to think it's a team of destiny. Yeah. But, I mean, it was <laughs> that's what you felt. You felt, okay, this team's going to – if they're going to have a chance at playoffs, they're going to have to do something really amazing against the Yankees. And they did. They played uh, stellar baseball those first two games. It was a team effort in the first one. And then Woodruff and Adamas, I feel like, kind of carried everything in the second game. And uh, it was just an exciting game to watch. You know, the Yankees fans showed up at American Family Field – they brought a, just an energy, and I think the Brewers capitalized on that energy a little bit. Speaking of Woodruff and Willie, Woodruff over the last two weeks or two starts this week, fourteen innings pitched, a one nine three ERA, twenty one strikeouts, just really letting that bulldog in him out. And then Willie Adamas comes out in twenty nine plate appearances, has a four fifty five, five eighty six, one thousand slash with three home runs, including a franchise record home run. Whose week was more important for the crew, Tim? They needed both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, one's complete offense, and then, you know, Woodruff having the best outing, he, he's looking strong. And his 15 starts since coming off the IL, 10 of those are quality starts. Mm -hmm. He has been as dominant as I think we've seen him in his career. Um, and they need him right now because if you go back to yesterday's game, if you go back to what was yesterday, Monday? That we're pretending. I guess today is still Tuesday. We're not. Yeah, we we're, we're all screwed up because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're doing. This is the day. This is it. With Burns to start. I mean, I he he could be tired. I mean, just kind of watching Burns. He's up there in innings. Most innings he's thrown. He could be tired. Woodruff is just absolutely on fire right now. So you got to ride the guys that can can do that. You got to pitch them deep into games. So yes, it was Willie and Woodruff and Williams, and it was a well orchestrated win for the Brewers. I was all ready to make the argument for Willie because I figured you were just going to go all in on on your guy Woodruff. But to me, here here's why I liked. Uh, well, Willie Adamas is just putting together really solid plate appearances. These walks early in games are are big. You're trying to prevent a an opposing starter from settling in, um, and I think those early game walks are always really important. And, and we talked about this. I think it was on last week's pod where like. One of the weird things about this team is I can't really name their MVP. I'm still having a hard time with that, and we're going to have to figure it out because we vote on one as the Baseball Writers Association of America. We name our uh, club MVP and pitcher of the year. Um, 
it Willie Adamas, I think, is closing strong in a way that gives him a really good case because he's the shortstop. He plays, you know, solid defense. He's he's hit thirty home runs, which no uh, a primary shortstop has done in Bill Hall, but nobody's ever hit thirty as a shortstop in a season for the Brewers. So he's doing um, some really good things, and I think the quality of the at bats has really gone up. And this is like a follow the leader kind of game. And when you, to get on a winning streak, you need some guys to do good things and then the rest to kind of follow that lead. And, and Willie Adamas looks like he wants to be the guy that kind of leads the way. So I, I thought it was just, we've talked so much about this team offensively and tried to figure them out. And right now, Willie Adamas is kind of playing like that. You know, he's, he's, lead, he's driving the bus to borrow the Craig council term. And he yeah. was streaking too. Um, not like in the literal sense, but like if you can, walk- well, that's good. That would get him arrested. <laughs> yeah. But if you can walk, and streak at the same time. That's what he was doing, uh, barring yesterday. He had a seven-game walk streak, which is the longest in his career. I started watching this because he had done it three days in a row. He walked. So I went back and looked, and he had done that a couple of times already this season, but not four in a row. Um, that just shows you, yeah, you're talking about quality at bats. He's going up there with a plan of, I'm either going to get something to hit, or I'm just going to take my base. And we have not seen that. We have not seen that, I don't think, in probably two years of seeing him. Uh, with the Brewers, just willing to take a walk. And when you get red hot and you start hitting home runs and doubles, which he has, he's got three doubles and uh, four home runs his last nine games. Um, pitchers know that, and they're going to pitch to the to the ends, you know, in the margins and make you chase, and he's not doing that. So that has set the tone, definitely set the tone for the first two games against the Yankees. Yeah, it really seems to be as the Brewers go, Willie, or as Willie goes, the Brewers go type of situation. There always seems to be that player who – when they're successful, the team's successful. In the last two seasons, it's really been Willie. And Willie, of course, has regressed from last year. But just this amazing last couple of her last week, and even really, he's been pretty solid in the month of September. You know, he's raised his batting average from 230 to two, nearly 240, which it's really hard to get those batting average numbers to change in this late in the season because you have so many plate appearances racked up by this point. So him being hot, I think, is very important for that offense to get going, especially, you know, he kind of seems to be the igniter when he gets going. Kutch has talked about it in the past. You see one guy start hitting and everyone else is like, hey, I can do this. I can get going, too. So he's the guy who can kind of motivate that. Not that other guys haven't been successful during the stretch, too, but it really seems when he's going well, that's really driving the team or driving the bus, as Adam said. Mm hmm. Well, is there a tough luck award, though? Because I feel like that's what McCutcheon has right now in the last week yeah. or so. I have never seen anyone square up as many balls as Andrew McCutcheon, and they go right at somebody or just catchable where somebody makes a decent catch. I mean, he is – that's and he's doing it all over the field, left field, right field, infield. Like, he's just hitting balls on the button, uh, and that button's getting caught. So That's been a story of his season, and nobody wants to hear that. No, nobody listening who's frustrated by the way that they have played – wants to hear about that but but it is totally a factor for Andrew McCutcheon's season and in our ongoing quest to try to figure out like the Keston Hira usage and why he again now is not playing um part of it is that they really we asked this again Craig Council and he just said he McCutcheon he feels has had the better offensive season and the numbers beyond the numbers that you can see Council's argument was that some of the some of that you can't see in the numbers, and it's what's Tim what Tim is talking about. He just has been the guy this year that has lined into a lot of hard luck. And again, I know people don't want to hear that when they're you know they're on the cusp of not making the playoffs, but 
It's just the truth. One of the truths of Andrew McCutcheon's season. Brewers have a big week, but it seems that when they win, the people they need to win or lose win. And when they lose, the people they need to win or lose, you know, wow, everything they do, it goes the wrong way in terms of them. Is this like a fool me once, shame on me thing? Fool me. Yeah. Fool me. Look, I got lost. It it was great in my head, but me mouth don't take words from head good. So after a big week, the crew still two and a half games out because they just can't seem to make up ground even when they're playing well. The Phillies and Padres, though, they have some tough schedules to close out the last two-plus weeks of the season. What do the Brewers need to happen to get into the playoffs, Tim? Ooh, uh, they just need to win. They need to win everything. Any chance they get, pull out all the stops. As a player, when you get down to the you know, the end of the season like this, part of you is like, man, I'm I'm hanging, my arm's hanging, my, I'm tired, um, kind of want it to be over. But at the same time, you're like, I, I, I still got more to do. You know, like it's not over. I got to keep. So you kind of rise to the occasion. Now you got to start stretching people out. The bullpen's going to have to come on strong. It just is. Um, I think you're to the point now where if a starter goes out and he scuffles in the first few innings, you got to get him out and get somebody else in. Um, you, I think that's the playoff way. If you want to make playoffs, you have to do that. You have to win every inning. Um, but I think a big thing, too, is the defensive alignment. I don't believe the Brewers are putting the defensive, you know, alignment when it comes especially infielders in the right spots um, I went back and looked I shouldn't have because it proved my point that I've been kind of harping on the last I don't know a couple months they had 17 ground balls in the last four games that go for hits and six of those haven't left the infield um, if I'm a pitcher on the mound and I got a man on first and I get a ground ball for a double play I want my double play I think they're playing themselves out of double plays uh, honestly and that hurts now, yes, you can sit there and point at the big double. You can point at the big home run. But right now, for whatever reason, their defense is not in the right spots. And that's not on the players, right? Like, I don't know who's in charge of where they put the little people. Um, but when Adrian Hauser's on the mound, they need to play in different spots. But, Tim, aren't they, aren't they putting them in the spots where the probabilities say they're supposed to be? They're putting them in the spots where the hitter is most likely to hit the ball. Well, when you have Trevor Kelly on the mound and the defense is playing in the same spot as when Hobie Milner's on the mound, and I'm not saying the exact same spot, but all I know is that that is way too many balls to, to get through. It just is. You, you have to stop some of that stuff um, mm -hmm. because it adds up. Those guys get on base and then there's the home run. There's the double. And you're like, oh, well, he gave up a three run homer. It's like, yeah, but he gave up two weak ground balls and there was no one standing there. So that that matters. And I don't know the exact fix. I don't think they're stealing as many hits as they're giving up on the ground. That's all. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. My wife's in town. She tells me that. <laughs> Adam, what what do you need to see from this team for them to get in the playoffs? Okay, I was uh, crunching numbers because every year at this time, I find my brain hurts when I try to figure out games ahead and games behind because just as uh, two, the Brewers are two and a half games behind the closest wildcard competitor at this time. And when you play a game every day and there's more than two weeks remaining, it seems like not a lot, right? Like two, oh, two and a half games. They play a game every day, except for one the rest of the way. But then when you start to do the math, it gets really hard because you almost have to like double the number of, in my head, <laughs> I sound like such a math idiot, but you have to like <laughs> double the number of wins you need in order to make up those games. So I, 
I anyway. opened the show calling you a baseball genius. <laughs> You're really making me I know, look bad. I know, <laughs> I know. Please, but I find this, I always at this time of year find it really helpful to just say, okay, if X, then Y. So, for example, Brad, you talk coming out the show, the Brewers have won seven of their last 11. That's very good. That's a 636 winning percentage. By the way, the Dodgers and Astros are playing at a better winning percentage than that all season. They're winning better than 7-11. The Dodgers are a lot better, which is kind of crazy. So anyway, if the Brewers stay at that pace over the, the, the last 15 games, they would go 9-6, and six, um, which is pretty good. But if they go 9-6, and six, the Phillies could go – the, if the, the, they would need the Phillies to go six and 10. So in other words, they would need the Phillies to lose 14 of their final 20 games. Cause they're already on a four game losing streak in order to get in. If the Phillies go eight and eight in their remaining games, the Brewers will have to go 11 and four. If the Phillies have a winning record the rest of the way. So they go nine and seven, the Brewers have to go 12 and three the rest of the way to get in. And remember part of this is that because the Brewers lost the season series, to the Phillies and Padres, they need to, not just catch them, but pass them. So anyway, to me, it just, it helps kind of to lay out the numbers to know what they need. So they need to like, like winning seven of 11 is probably not going to be good enough. In other words, so more the seven, they, they won seven of nine before they lost these last two games. That's kind of the pace that they need to be on. That's an seven of nine is, is, is basically an 11 and four pace for the Brewers the rest of the way. So it gets really difficult math wise. They put themselves in a tough position because of, of what happened in August. And um, Tim's right that this is a way to come back around to say they just need to like try to win every game. If you win every series the rest of the way, in other words, you don't split anymore because there's a couple two game and a four game, a couple four games in there. The Brewers would go 12 and three. So like win these next two against the Mets and then win every series the rest of the way. That, that would be winning 12 of 15 games. And it's probably like going to take something like that. The Mets might have helped us set up for a victory today because they did do a postseason clip celebration yesterday in hangover game. Hey, that's a <laughs> real thing, right? Do you know, I didn't. I forgot <laughs> that the Brewers clinched against the Mets last year. Our, my friend Tony mm -hmm. DeComo and his Mets story had written about Francisco Lindor. I remember sitting in the dugout and watching the Brewers celebrate and being like, jealous like i want you know that's what i want and here a year later the the tables are turned oh how the turntables yeah you guys I knew you guys were going to say that but i i had kind of <laughs> forgotten that that the brewers clinch against the mets and in the last home game last year yeah. how long ago does that feel like and eduardo escobar was has been a big part of that for the mets he got hot yeah. at the right time could have used that a little yeah. bit last year yeah for <laughs> sure daniel vogelbeck was it like underrated big part of it for the brewers even though he was generally out of the game by the sixth inning being replaced for like a pinch runner uh you know he had some big hits in the in the last few weeks anyway we need to go to break because we need to have time for something that's very important to us all good lord trivia with adam and tim <laughs> and of course we need to talk about some pitchers who are returning from injury so stay tuned we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Something you love to see is a baseball team playing well. But another thing you love to see is Adam and Tim completely struggling and drowning as they try to answer a single trivia question correctly. We've done so many of these. And Tim leads the season series 5-4. to four. Barely took it back. What? I yeah, think that's, that's wrong. No, Adam leads Tim 5-4. to four. Oh, Tim tied good. it, and then Adam oh. took the point. That's right. My bad. My bad. I read hmm. incorrectly. Oktoberfest. It's getting underway, and the Brewers yeah. have an Oktoberfest coming up next Thursday. I saw you the giveaway cool is sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do a little beer trivia. You get a point if you get it right. Your opponent can steal if you get it wrong. And I'm probably going to pronounce some words wrong. So that's fun, too, because now it's time for me to get embarrassed, not just laugh at you guys. Did you say beer or beard? A beer. <laughs> you would dominate both. So either way, you're good. <laughs> oh, Don't I thought worry. it was beard trivia. All right. Okay. Uh, either mind. either way, you have the edge here. <laughs> I think I do. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be fine. Curveball. We're starting with Tim. Mm. Ooh. Tim, what brewery is the oldest active brewery in the world? Byhan Stefan. I I murdered that. Uh, Byhan Stefaner. <laughs> Smittix, Hackershore, or Steigel Brewery. I can't even pronounce any of the words you've just said. I will pick number three because I learned in school, if you don't know, just mark C. So wow, I'll pick great C, tip. number okay. three. It is not Hacker Shore. Oh, okay. So Adam, is it Vion Stefana? I think I did that better now. Smittix or Steigel Brewery? I'll say Steigel Brewery. The Vihan Stefano Brewery began brewing beer in 1040. Wildly, her widely regarded as the oldest brewery in the world. And you know what's great? It loves tradition. And so do we, because it's another question where Tim and Adam didn't get a point. <laughs> Who knows this? Oh, God, but I mean, with the odds, it was not ever getting it when there's just guesses there. It's like the Monty Hall question, too. Like, once one gets taken off the board, it's a 33% chance. Uh, Adam? Circle gets the square. Yeah. Who was the first U.S. president to brew beer in the White House? Ooh. Bill Clinton, Warren Harding, Jimmy Carter, or Barack Obama? Oh, God. <laughs> I just love watching you guys suffer. This is the part that should be video. Um, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter is completely incorrect. Tim, uh, Bill Clinton, Warren Harding, or Barack Obama. <laughs> Every time I hear Jimmy Carter, I think of Andy Kaufman. Jimmy Carter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Harding. Wait, was that one of them? Yeah, Warren Harding. Yeah. Well, good job, Tim. Because we've kept the tradition of zero oh, points geez. on the board. Barack it? Obama was the first president to brew beer in the White House. Chefs at the White House collected a pound of honey from bees on the South Lawn and ah. used it to produce a beer they call the White House Honey Ale. Ooh, that actually sounds delicious. Yeah. Yep. And almost as delicious as the zero points you'll be getting from today's activities. And that's it. We don't. That's that's it. That's our chance. That's. Oh, my God. Thank God. We can edit uh, all that out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> ah. 
All right. Back to Brewer's talk. <laughs> you get some big returns lately. Aaron Ashby today, huge. You know, the rotation desperately needs someone, and I don't think the bullpen could survive another bullpen day. I mean, I know it's going to be a bullpen day, but at least yeah, I was just going to say, I think it, yeah, a new bodies in there to take the mm-hmm. first few innings, right? Then you have Jake Cousins coming back, and even Justin Topa. How big is it to get those three guys back, Adam? Well, one of them I would guess is going down for Ashby. Although, am I am I missing someone else who's obvious? We we were doing this; they haven't made the move yet. But anyway, it, I think it's, I mean, I think it's most important for Ashby to be honest. I think it's important for Ashby, Lauer, and Freddie Peralta to pitch before the end of the season to have some good moments. Whatever happens for the Brewers in this chase, um, you know, they hope to keep pitching in into October. That would be even better. But e- even if they're able to finish the season healthy, I think that would be a good thing, particularly for Ashby, who missed a couple of stints. And for Freddie Peralta, who missed a huge chunk of the season and then came back and really had to like fight through many of those starts that he made. Um, he is a both really, well, all of them with Lauer are, are a big part of what comes next, whether again, whether that's this October or whether it's looking all the way to next season and just the peace of mind to, to finish the year the way they wanted to finish it, which is pitching healthy and pitching, I think is extremely vital. So you're right. It'll be limited. Ashby threw about 30 pitches in his last bullpen. He hasn't, I don't know if anybody stood in, maybe some hitters sometimes will stand in on those pens, but he hasn't faced any hitters for a couple of weeks. So, you know, and here he jumps in and faces the Mets and what for the Brewers now is kind of must win territory. So it's uh it's a difficult uh, a challenge. And he talked about why he thinks he's ready for it yesterday but uh, it's it it's a that's a big leap <laughs> to not have any game action after a couple of weeks. Tim, can you kind of talk through the challenges Ashby's going through along with you know getting Topa and Cousins back? Yeah, uh, with with Ashby, I remember one time I think it was 2011, maybe 12. I sat in the bullpen for like 18 days and didn't pitch, and I came running out of the bullpen and whoever the commentators were, I think we were playing the Astros. One of the commentators was like, this guy hadn't pitched in over two weeks. And the other guy goes, someone's got to show him where the mound is. <laughs> like, like, I get it when you're not facing, when you're not off the bump facing hitters, it's different, you know, and, and to sit there and expect, oh yeah, we expect Ashby to go five innings. You know what? Like that's unlofty expectations. I think they're going to say, okay, if he can get one time through the order, um, we're going to be looking pretty good. Uh, anything after that's going to be bonus. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be bullpen day and it's a tough gig when you have to all of a sudden you're throwing in a bullpen trying to create that energy. And then suddenly you get on the mound and the guy's trying to smash it, you know, all over the field. You're kind of like, okay, what do I do? What's my go-to? What's my foundation? Cause you don't know where it is. It's been a few weeks. So um, it, it, you'll show a lot about a, a pitcher's character, you know, how they grind through it, how they pitch, uh, whatever it takes. You see Freddie do that. You see Freddie when, you know, he doesn't have his best stuff and suddenly the guys are getting good looks at him. He completely goes into shutdown mode and throws seven pitches per batter. Doesn't care if he walks him, he's going to strike him out and not give him anything. So I'm, I'm wanting to see the grind a little bit from Ashby. And, you know, getting Cousins back was a big deal. He's been doing really well in Nashville, and he's been pitching uh, for over a month now, I think, down there. I think about a month and a half. Um, and then mid-September, he threw back-to-back days a couple times. So that right there was enough for them to go, okay, he's got to come back. And he did well 
um, against the uh, Mets last night. So they just need arms right now to eat up innings. That's that's what they need. I haven't been able to figure out why they're not more excited about Jake Cousins. I thought he pitched like important innings for them last year. My memory is that he was like kind of a bridge guy to the late, but just for, for whatever reason, um, the, the team has not shown really any urgency to get him back to the big leagues. It was, they just brought him up after Trevor Kelly pitched against the Yankees and then they brought cousins back as a fresh arm. But I mean, he's been ready for a long time now and I, maybe it's the command that he, they just felt like he, you know, missed the zone too many, too many uncompetitive pitches. And if he works on that and just gets a little more consistently competitive with his misses, I think that would be sort of the step he needs to take. But that's been one of the puzzling things because we've been asking about Jake Cousins for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And the answers are very, you know, vanilla. So it's good that he's back in the big leagues and gets a chance to pitch here. Probably, this, you know, the same has kind of been true of Topo, who we've been asking about for a long time. Um, I, I have one inside thing. I haven't written this, but do you know how Aaron Ashby stayed connected to his fellow pitchers and stayed in the games during his absence? Have you heard about this, Brad? Uh, what app? He has been what he, he has been um, the latte. He's been the barista. He has been uh, making <laughs> Bar- lattes for the guy. Baristo. Baristo is a barista. barista. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Barista. I was a barista when I was in coffee. He's, he's just pulling your leg. (laughs) No. Well, uh, maybe this would be a good leg pulling, but he, he says he has an espresso machine at home and he's likes to like make his own drinks and he brings it in sometimes. So he was talking about bringing it in for this final next final homestand. And he, you know, he makes the guys their individualized uh, lattes, which I think is very nice. Yeah. And I asked if he would deliver to the press box for the three of us. And he said, absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> tell you what, I was a barista and he's, he's not actually a true barista till he starts making the like foam art. So once he shows us that he's got foam art. So then... he, he is in the process of working on that, Brad. Because that, right. he said, is his chief criticism from the fellow pitchers is that the lattes are great, but they're not, they don't have that beautiful, you know. It's like a leaf. Leaf design. How are you not going to, how can you not design a leaf? <laughs> well, how about a Brewer's logo? Yeah. So these are the important tidbits that I bring to the, to the podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, who wants a cappuccino though? It's all foam. That's just garbage. It's caffeine. All caffeine is good caffeine. I give Christian Yelich hell all the time because he gets his order is a large Americano. I'm like, that's mostly hot water. He's like, yeah, but it's an extra shot. (laughs) He's like, I don't care what it tastes like. I just want the caffeine. So but I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. It still has to taste palatable. How can you do that? Like, it's just so much hot water because an Americano, for those who don't know, is just espresso and hot water. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's I no thanks. All right. Tim, you're gonna get a little bit of a break for a second because we're talking prospects. The Arizona Fall League rosters just got announced. Adam, mm-hmm. I'm gonna run through the names real quick. Yep. Of from the top thirty on MLB pipeline, there's Tyler Black, Jefferson Caro, Russell Smith, Logan Henderson, Abner Uribe. Then you have Ryan Middendorf, Javon Ward, and Xavier Warren. Yep. What names intrigue you that are going to be in the Arizona Fall League? As Tim would say, all of them. <laughs> but 
there are just that is a fascinating mix of players. Um, Ryan Mittendorf is an indie ball sign, and we've seen the Brewers. I mean, we just talked about um, Jake Cousins and Justin Topa, indie ball guys who pitch, you know, significant innings for for teams. So you never know where you're going to find guys. I'm intrigued by him. Um, uh, Tyler Black is a, a really, really good hitting prospect who broke his, uh, what do you call it, shoulder blade earlier this season and missed a bunch of time. So the story for most of those guys is that they are making up at bats or innings lost to injury. And the Arizona Fall League is a really good way to do that against great competition. So for a guy like Tyler Black, that's going to be big. Javon Ward dislocated his kneecap, which sounds horrible. He has missed been the entire season. Like awful injury luck, though. Ugh, like I remember yeah, he terrible. couldn't really throw during the, the spring training. Like the guy just has had bad luck his entire major league career, and like never the same injury twice. Yep. Logan Henderson is one of those guys. He had an elbow injury in spring training. Brad, you and me spent a week searching for him in their mini camp. And we'd always like just mm-hmm. miss him. And then it turns out he was hurt and I'm yep. kicking myself for not catching that still months later. But Abner Uribe is the guy that I am most interested in because of something Craig council said. He doesn't, when he, when he says something like this in spring training, like he did about Abner Uribe, it stands out because he doesn't blow smoke about the young guys very often. And he thought Abner Uribe was going to be a guy that, pitched for them before the end of the year, which was kind of incredible because Abner was beginning the year at double a and is, you know, seemed to be a ways away from the big leagues. It's a power arm for, this isn't going to surprise anybody. Command is the thing. If he commands the fastball, he's really, really good. So he missed time uh, with a knee injury, needed surgery. I think he had two outings for um, Biloxi before going down. So he is, Definitely a guy that qualifies in the the making up for lost time category. And I'm just, I think it's, it's really important that he picks up innings because I'm going to pencil him in as a guy that's going to be part of their bullpen plans next year. I don't know if opening day, but we've seen that the opening day roster is just that. And it doesn't mean that's the team for the season. So I I've got Abner as a guy, if he's healthy, that helps them next year. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on what he does in the fall league. Yeah, Abner is one of those unique prospects because there's there's very few prospects who are bullpen their entire career. Normally, you get a few innings starting, you get a few, you know, even if it's through like double A, you start and then they're like, okay, you still haven't found your control. Let's move you to the bullpen, which is where we thought you were going to go. But we tried and you learned some valuable lessons as a starter. Now it's time for you to start the bullpen side of your career and here he is he's a reliever all the way through has two good pitches i've heard the sliders even more exciting than the fastball so really fun guy to look forward to tyler black had a ton of helium coming in and i mean a lot of guys internally start talking to him or about him even when we were starting our interviews about minor league prospects and then like the second he starts getting that hype inside the organization he gets injured yeah <laughs> so uh here's the know, other a guy Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brad. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm being so rude, but, but I've never been more offended. uh, Here's the other tell for me. When, when you know that team people like a guy, when they're talking to you like this, and then all of a sudden they start talking in a very low voice as if like some (laughs) scout (laughs) next to them is going to hear. And I'll tell you who they do that about Jefferson Carroll. And I don't know if the numbers like jump off the page this year for him, 
but um, they still talk about him in those low tones. And that's a player, a catcher who they really, really like his future. And he's got a ways to go, but um, that's another, I think, really intriguing guy to, to kind of keep in mind because they do the, uh, the low voice thing. Tim, did you ever throw in the fall league? How is it? Oh, yeah, I did. 100%. Uh, it's really tough as a pitcher. They have a thing called Quez Tech, or they did. Yeah. Um, it's how they would rate the umpires out there. And if they called a ball a strike, they got penalized. But if they called like a strike a, a ball, yeah, like that's how I believed it to be. <laughs> <laughs> they had little, uh, yeah, stuff attached, I guess. No, um, yeah, if they called a strike a ball, uh, they they weren't penalized. So you could be out there, and if the umpire just, you know, didn't want to get bad points, didn't matter where he threw it, they'd just be like, oh, that's a ball. So it was a, it's a tough gig, but that was 2007. I was out there with, uh, trying to think who was on that team, Jason Mott, I believe, was on that team. Oh, yeah. Remember him from the Cardinals? Another um, former catcher. Yeah, former catcher. Um, and then the, who's the switch hitting guy that was with the A's for so long? Uh, played shortstop. I think he just, he just retired. He's still playing. Uh Lowry. Jed oh, Lowry. Oh, Jed, Jed Lowry, Lowry. Yeah. Jed Lowry. Yeah. He was out there too. There's a bunch of names that have came and gone over the years out there. But uh, so here's the thing about the fall league. Um, you, you sit there and yes, it is for guys that had injuries. Mitch Stetter was out there for like three years in a row because he had a couple of injuries. And once he got healthy, of course, he was dominant for the Brewers out of the bullpen. Um, but you, it, it doesn't matter who you are going into it. You can be the you know world's best prospect or you could barely get into the fall league like I did. Um, but you can turn heads for whatever reason. There's everybody's watching these games. They're measuring and looking at everything. It is. I didn't know this till I got out there, but it is a huge, huge honor to go out there and play in this thing. Mm -hmm. I know maybe they look at it as like, oh, well, it's more baseball after the whole season's over. No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And this is where people put themselves on the map. I've always wanted to go. They're also this year testing the new rules, I think, in the fall league. Yay, new rules. <laughs> so pitch clock, well, that's been in the minors, but uh, the shifting rules, Tim, you're talking about defensive alignment. Yeah. They're going to uh, test that out in the fall league, so that'll be interesting. And the new bases, presumably? My goodness. Let's make them bigger so the guys can steal more. <laughs> I think it's in intended to prevent injury. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why yeah. at second, though? I could see first. Why would you need it third? Why would you need it second? I'll uh, I'll educate myself more, and we'll we'll okay. We'll we'll talk about because I'm that way too. I like stuff to offset each other. If you had one big base, it I personally think they should go softball first base bag. Yeah, with the orange where you had the runner side of the bag and the defender side of the bag. I think they should put a keg at second base too. Yeah, put a keg at second base. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna work on getting a keg at second base during this break. <laughs> and when we return, we're dishing out our set of the week and we're talking a little bit about spooky, scary season. All right. Stay tuned. We're back and we haven't solved the problems with getting kegs at second base. <laughs> so it turns out it's a problem that's been people have been trying to solve for years and we, we just can't do it. So, sorry, everybody. We tried. Instead, we, we do have stats, and they are from the last week or further, but they're stats of the week. Adam, I'm starting with you. I think I started with Tim the last few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Mine is, um, I, I would qualify this as an upbeat 
in the upbeat category. I, I like the Fangraphs playoff odds just for fun because it just, I don't know, just gives you a guide of kind of where things are and how they could play out. And they're just for fun. They're not like, um, you know, the almighty decider of what's going to happen. But the, the fan graphs this morning has the Brewers postseason odds at 23.5%, which um, is higher than zero. So, you know, there's there's this long homestand still to come, lots of home games ahead. And, and you know, if they get hot, really hot, they've got a chance to get in still and, and extend this postseason streak. And then who knows what happens, especially if they're getting uh, these arms back, even in shorter stints, the postseason is shorter stints often anyway. So it, it, I'm definitely in the camp of just get in and, and you never know what happens. And 23 and a half percent is, uh, isn't too shabby considering that it is, you know, that August was a really tough month and things kind of changed. All right, Tim, what's your stat of the week? Yeah. Jump on the stat mobile. Dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> mine's going to be five of five, five of five. Right. Hmm. Right. Sunday's game, Brewers versus the Yankees. The top five hardest hit balls in the entire game came off the same bat. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. And that ranged from 115 to <laughs> 110 miles an hour. The guy is a beast of a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the time he got, the only time he got out the first at bat, lead off the game, was a scud missile. I think that was the 113.4 or something like that off the bat. Um, Finally get to see him up close and what he brings to, to this game is is crazy. Like he's a he's a unicorn. Nobody's doing what this guy's doing. And he's one point he's point zero one average point from having sole possession of the triple crown in the American League. So anyway, um can stats be about other people and other teams or no? Okay. Yeah. I Why mean, not? It's a, Tim, it's a if stat. you, it, and this is in contrast because this is the kind of stuff that I watch during games um, is some of the hardest hit balls of the game. Cause it might be a ground ball. Sometimes it could be a line out, could be a home run. You don't really know. So you start looking at it in the, for the most part, all season long, the brewers have at least three of the five. Like you always see a brewers player in there, but judge taking all five. I thought that was, I mean, that hasn't happened all year. Yeah. I'll say it all year. So if you are an MVP, an AL MVP voter, is he your AL MVP? Well, I mean, to win a triple crown and then not be the most valuable player? Yeah. I mean, who's going to be that guy? Uh, it's it's Brad, who's yours? Uh, no, I'm still judge. You look at it and I, I mean, over relying on war, he has a higher war. He has, I think he does, show me he's up to 8.7. Yeah, that's the, got, that's he, the that's the crazy he's been thing. insane. Nine point six. Okay, Judge is nine point six. He's nearly a ten WAR player. I go Judge, like he's as good as Shohei is. Shohei is incredibly good on both sides right now, better than he was in his MVP season. But at the same time, this isn't like when me her, her Miggy had his triple crown, but Trout had a very obviously measurable better season in in other regards and probably deserved the MVP a little bit more than Miggy. This is there is no offensive player in baseball better than Aaron Judge right now. Yeah. The stat I loved from last week was that Aaron Judge, he ended the day with 20 more home runs than anyone else in baseball. And that had not happened since 1928 when Babe Ruth ended the season with however many, you know, home runs ahead of the rest of the league. Which is just like 
an insane stat how much better he is than everybody else right now. But I'm glad I don't have that vote because I think it's really hard. Because Otani is like, I mean, <laughs> he's got great numbers as a hitter in 600 plate appearances, 34 homers, 891 OPS. And then, oh, by the way, he's also a five-win pitcher. Like, it's really hard, I think, to to make that call. It's it's judge, I think, but man, it's hard. I I, I hope, almost hope they tie. I mean, I don't know Did if they're you? allowed to do that, but they probably should. But also, too, it's not like Judge is just a DH. The guy plays solid no, defense. No, he does, and he plays. You're right. You're right. And we saw his arm impact that that series. And it's not just power either. It's nope. speed. It's hundred percent stolen yeah. bases. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, I if mean, he wasn't doing everything well. I'd say Otani because Otani's doing everything except for average well. Um, but Judge is there, there's not a hole in the game right now for him, and he's playing center and right well. Well, I think you know honestly we don't know what Judge would do if he was put on the mound. So <laughs> <laughs> if he got That's on the mound and point. struck one batter out, I'm like MVP. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. All I right. don't know. I just think Otani and Judge is doing some stuff we haven't seen before. I mean, Shohei Otani is doing stuff we haven't seen before. So it's like, I don't know. I think it's, it's like I said, I probably am judge, but man, it's to me, it's really, really hard. And to say there's like a sure right or wrong answer, like some, uh, I've seen some pieces written saying, oh, this is a no brainer. I don't know about that. I think it's a really hard call. I think it's a hard call, but I think judge definitely has the, the better lead. However, a shared MVP there would be nice. Yeah. All right. I, I talked about spooky, scary season. Tim, it's getting started. What's your best Halloween costume to date? Um, I feel like my last few years have been strong. Um, I, I it took a lot of planning. One year I was Anchorman when I was Ooh. in a uh, Ron Burgundy was in a glass case of emotion. I actually designed the shirt that he wore. It's got, I don't even know what it is, but it's some dude holding a beer. It's like a cartoon character. So I made it. So I have the shirt made and I did the scruffy beard and the hair, walked around with a milk jug filled with not milk. Um, that's how I trick or treated. And then last year uh, was probably my best. I was John Wick. Ooh. John Wick. It was good too. Um, until Aaron Rodgers took like professional headshots and stuff of being John Wick and kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Yeah. Um, he didn't text me and tell he me. He probably got the idea that, from so. you, though. <laughs> yeah, 100% he did. I've been growing this look out forever, man. John Wick. Adam, what's your I'm best a bad Halloween costume? Yeah, I'm a bad costume guy. Um, me too. But we used to do a party where, a karaoke party where you dress as who you, you're going to sing. And I had some good ones for that. Share, My favorite share, one was share, probably share. the uh, Beastie Boys from the Sabotage video with uh, the the you know, sport coats and uh, aviator sunglasses, the cops. And then we performed um, sabotage. So I think that was my favorite. I, I would go out of my way to be share at that party anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's recreate that party. It was like a super fun party. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be share at the end of the baseball season. Perfect. What are you going to sing? I don't know why. I think it's just from pop culture. Uh, do you believe? Well, that I one. knew you were going to say that. Um, it's the only one I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, for so, I think it's just because it's such a pop culture staple is why I think shares like so <laughs> like I feel like anytime there's like a show where like someone does something a karaoke or singing contest where you dress as a singer like shares the person so that's why I'm like it's got to be share 
I think my best was when I was a nudist on strike. Oh my god! Explain that one. I don't. You just wear clothes with a sign that says "nudist on strike." Yeah, <laughs> that is the most Brad idea I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I don't like to try because if I try, it might be bad. So mm. <laughs> instead, you do these safe things, you know, come on. Isn't that, isn't that what uh, Yoda said? No. I also one year did. So there was this meme going around where it was like, why do women love to dress like Han Solo? And they all have their puffy vests and then their like boots and they yeah. look exactly like Han Solo. So I told my wife she should go as Han Solo using that and she was like only if you go as princess leia so i got white pants like a white button-up shirt and the head buns so she was han solo and i was her 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 leia so we did that too um a lot of me wanting to (laughs) i think wrap up the podcast at this point brad is this yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh the postseason's coming brand new format tim do you like the new wild card format uh what's the changes what there's a whole new there's three teams in the wild card he's not the best analyst in baseball for the first and second team get buys there's a three game series well i needed it explained for our listeners yeah yeah oh that's why i asked um yeah i like it it's called the wild card for a reason it's not called the calm card right (laughs) like you want it to be wild you want and more teams mean more action and i'm i'm just glad it's not the nba where like everyone makes playoffs and it lasts for three months um i like the fact that you know you can get in you have a chance and if the brewers get hot they're probably gonna just keep winning because for them to get into the postseason um, that's what the wild card's designed to do for those teams that make that last push uh they put it all together in september they should be rewarded so because that happens there's teams that get hot and they miss out at the end of the year and it's like that's kind of a bummer because they were playing some really good baseball so hopefully that pays off for the brewers the thing I like about it most is the three game wild card series versus the one and done because look, the Brewers are the, the poster children for what can happen in a wild card game. They they outplayed the Nationals in the 2019 wild card game until weird stuff happened all in succession in one inning. And all of a sudden, boom, the Brewers are home and the Nationals are on their way to winning a World Series. It's super exciting. Like for the fans, it's it's great TV, it's great drama, but I think for the teams, it's it's like man, that makes you so nervous. And I think a three game series in a sport where you play 162 games is more representative of of like what it takes to be a good team. So I, I like that change a lot. I I think we've talked about this before, but the the removal of those travel days, those off days within series is a huge development that is going to play a gigantic role in whatever, whoever is in the postseason, in how they navigate those series. It's going to be, uh, it's going to make it look a little bit different, I think. And that's a, that's a giant change, but it's in the interest of, you know, you're putting in more games, so you have to find a way to get it done before, as Tim said, you don't want it to go on forever and ever. So um, that, those are the two things, one I really like, and one, I don't know, I'm not, neither here nor there. I just think it's going to be a, a, big time um, adjustment for everybody as, as we get into the postseason. Well, one thing you just brought up about, you know, the one and done, that's how I feel about the, we're talking about rule changes earlier. Yeah. The rule changes of like having the man on second, the Manfred ghost runner in the 10th inning. Like you have this exciting ball game, you have this exciting season. And then all of a sudden the next inning, the next game, 
everything hinges on that and it's over. Like I like, they should put the Manfred runner uh, in the 11th inning. So mm-hmm. let, let the 10th inning play out as you know, it would be, that's the same as the wild card. Let's have a three game wild card series to let, to let that kind of flesh itself out rather than, Hey, we got hot. We should win this. Game. Oh, we lost season's over one game. Yeah. Same thing. I don't like baseball teams having buys. Hmm. It's my only issue with it really is I don't like that two teams aren't going to play for five days. Is it really five days? I believe so, right? It's a day to get like the playoff or the travel aligned. Yep. And then it's a day after the series. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, the season ends aside on from a Wednesday. That, I like it. The season, I know this because I just booked some scenarios just to be prepared. The season ends on Wednesday. Thursday's an off day. Friday, the wild card series start. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday in one city, three games. Then a travel day, then the division series start on Tuesday. That's almost a disadvantage. You make playoffs. Congratulations. You're one of the best teams. You're going to sit for five days. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I don't like I don't like baseball teams having buys, but anyway. So would you add uh two more teams, Bradley? No, I mean, this is the better scenario than adding two more teams because I really hate that basketball, like you don't you just play to make the playoffs and then yeah, I mean, obviously being the one seed and two seed is still advantageous in basketball and the eight, but like the eight seed and seven seed get into the postseason are almost never good enough to do anything anyway. So I, I just I don't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I I prefer the four team format. It's one of the th- few things about baseball adjustments. I'm an old man curmudgeon about. However, I'm not curmudgeon enough about the six team to like hate anything but the bye period. So, yeah, that's that. Let us know in the comments. Do you like the new wild card? And if you do comment, maybe Tim will like it. Give us five stars. Come by the front row of the press box and yell up at me. Uh, don't do that. The ushers will yell at you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Do you know who comes down and lurks right below me every game and is very terrifying? Is Barrel. Bobby Uecker. No. No. Oh. <laughs> Barrel Man comes and stands right under me, and I see the top yep. of his terrifying. The eighth and ninth inning. Ooh. He's uh, right in front of the press box. I very love Very scary. Very scary He's creature. All right. Well, if you're afraid of Barrel Man, you know where to avoid in the 8th and ninth <laughs> inning. But that's all we have time for. Thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget to follow our hosts. You can find Tim Dillard at Dim Dillard on Twitter and Instagram. Watch him on the Bally Sports Wisconsin pre- and post-game show. Look for Adam McAlvey at, at Adam McAlvey on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and read his work on Brewers.com. Of course, make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.